Hello there, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to the first part of episode 189. Just me, Evan, here uh, right now. Matt and I had a little bit of a um, scheduling conflict, we'll say, this week uh, with all of these games that went off, you know, midweek, weekend, uh, just a little bit harder for us to get together uh, and record this. I mean, we've had games on there was game saturday there was game sunday monday we had one off but then there was two games or no there was one on monday as well leicester and everton yesterday arsenal and chelsea played um two more games as well uh on arsenal and chelsea played tuesday two games yesterday uh wednesday and then right now brighton and manchester united are playing it's been a uh, box office start I mean, really, really entertaining stuff. Juan Basaka is is stunting. I've got that game on my second monitor, but yeah. Um, sorry about the timing. I mean, I'm sorry we're not going to get to the recap of Brighton and Manchester United, but excuse me. By the time Matt gets his portion of the episode out, um, you guys will have a recap there. So, you know, it, it's not going to be crazy long. I've got a dinner I got to go to tonight, so. A little bit pressed for time, but I figured uh, you guys would would like to at least get some of uh, the insight from both of us. So we'll jump right into this one. Um, first game was a seven-goal thriller, Crystal Palace and West Ham. I don't think anybody expected this game to be one of the games of the week uh, in terms of entertainment value, but it certainly was. West Ham going into this one needing to take a point or maybe even three. Uh, to shore up their spot down there at the bottom of the table. Really desperate um, to stay up this season. And it looked like from the off that maybe they'd get a result here. Thomas Suchek with a goal in the ninth minute. In the 15th, one of the IU brothers, this one being Jordan, struck back. Wilf Zaha back in the team. Second week, third week, I think, back in the team. Scored in the 20th. Jeffrey Schlupp scored in the 30th. Mikel Antonio, who's had a really, really, really good month of April, uh, scored in the 35th. And then it was quiet. Uh, we went into halftime. As they scored a penalty, uh, unfortunate there, in the 66th, I believe Suchek gave that one up. Uh, he had a goal, two assists, and then given up Penn. Uh, so kind of an all-over-the-place game for Suchek. Uh, as they scored, and then Aguirre got one back in the 72nd, but it was too late. Crystal Palace are back to their goal-scoring form uh, that we saw right when Roy Hodgson took over. Uh, They get a win here after coming off of a loss last week. 16 shots, 6 shots on target. And West Ham didn't play all that poorly, but defensively, uh, they just weren't. They couldn't shore it up in those early stages of the game. Uh, Three goals within 15 minutes to uh, essentially put you way behind the eight ball. That's really tough to come back from, and that was the case here. Only 40% possession to score three goals uh, from that position. I don't think is a terrible showing, but Palace were just on it on the day, and they were able to just really outpower West Ham. Up next, we have... Um, Jesus, there's so many games to go through. Um, Brighton, six. Wolves, nil. A troika of braces from Dennis Undav, Pascal Gross... And Danny Welbeck were the difference in this one. And boy, was there a difference. Wolves were not up to the task here. Uh, The Molyneux has been their fortress. They were not at the Molyneux in this one. This one at the Falmer 
Uh, Brighton just absolutely pumped them. A goal in the 16th from Undav. Uh, one in the 13th from Pascal Gross. He added another in the 26th. Danny Welbeck on the score sheet. That was a pickup for a lot of guys in fantasy. Uh, he scored in the 39th and the 48th, and then Undav capped it off at the end in the 66th minute. Not really any concrete chances for Wolves, maybe one or two. They just didn't look up to it defensively. They've been so much better defensively, too, uh, since Lobotegi's come in, but... They leaked a ton of goals in this one. And Brighton, we know, even when they're not at full strength, are a team that are just really, really tough to defend against. Gilmore was in the center. They had Enciso, who's scored a couple of goals um, this year. But Undav is is not somebody you see in this team all that much. He was playing in that center attacking mid-roll. That's typically where we see McAllister. Matoma, he came on late, but Enciso got the start over him. And then Solly March didn't score uh, either so two goals from the midfield well four goals really from the midfield and then two from Danny Welbeck who continually every time you think like uh this injury is going to put him out like he's going to be done he, he's still in and around this Brighton team and he's really been a solid piecemeal striker for them I mean they're not paying him a ton of money he's a bit older He's not necessarily in great physical shape. He, he, it doesn't look like he's gained any weight or anything like that. But, you know, he doesn't have the legs that he had when he was a kid, when he was playing at United, when he was playing at Arsenal. But he's still able to get himself on the score sheet, score goals when they need it. They didn't really need them in this one. But, uh, you know, sh- shout out to Danny Welbeck. Shout out to that guy. He, he was a meme for so long. Uh, and he's he's carved out like sort of a, a decent career. He's won some trophies. He's been in some interesting teams at United, certainly some interesting teams at Arsenal. But it really seems like he's settled down at Brighton. And I, I love to see that. So Wolves will be looking forward uh, to the match against Aston Villa on May 6th. That is not going to be a small task. And after this absolute drubbing, uh, they're not in great shape heading into that. Up next, Brentford 2, Nottingham Forest 1. Danilo scored first in stoppage time of the first minute. A little bit of a clumsy goal, but, I mean, they'll take it. Ball bounced around. He uh, he tapped it in. Uh, they were 1-0 heading into the 82nd minute when Ivan Toney scored an absolutely sensational uh, free kick. As soon as the free kick was given and I watched Tony walk up to it, I had Brentford in the game. I bet on them. Um, I was like, ah, I, I think Tony's got a decent chance here, and he did. Uh, he beat Keylor Nava, sent it out to the right, beat the wall. Tremendous goal, and then in the 94th minute, Josh De Silva latched onto one and finished to the right of Keylor Navas as well. He was just caught flat-footed, and he just couldn't get to it. So a good performance from Brentford. Probably shouldn't have been 1-0 down in the first place. Um, been unlucky on a couple of chances earlier to not score. But they take the three points, eight shots on target, 14 shots total. They stayed in a great shape throughout the entire game. Uh, Nottingham Forest just turning really uh, on the opposite end of the play and, and, and getting a couple of breakaways. But Brentford were able to hold them outside of that one messy goal by Danilo. So a great performance from Danilo uh, really on, on the day. It was a bit unfortunate because he got injured later on in the game. Uh, and Forrest, Steve Cooper had already used all of their substitutions. So for the last little bit, Nottingham Forest unfortunately had to play with 10 men. Uh, that is that is complete uh, managerial incompetence. We don't like to see that. Steve Cooper's done a decent job with Nottingham Forest, but truly where they are in the table, 
you know, they're they're in 18th right now on 30 points. Um, Leeds and Leicester are right there with them on 30, but that is incompetence that that truly could cost you uh, staying up in this league. And I think, you know, that's a conversation that I'd like to talk to Matt about because I'm, I'm curious to see if he'd have a different perspective. And maybe he'll have listened to this by the time uh, he records his show. But uh, that was that was a tough one, you know, watching that. I, I I felt terrible for Nottingham Forest, but at the same time, like you, you've you've used all your windows and you typically should wait and save at least one for the last 10 to 15 minutes of the game. And they just got beat by that. So good performance from Brentford, but definitely a little bit of incompetence and certainly some regret from Nottingham Forest and Steve Cooper. Okay, up next, Manchester United 1, Aston Villa 0. A rebound goal from Bruno Fernandes in the 39th minute was the difference in this one. But let me tell you what, there was some chances in this game. Aston Villa... They got caught out on the counterattack at the beginning a little bit. Uh, the pitch was extremely wet. A lot of slipping, a lot of falling, a lot of sloppy passes, poorly weighted passes. United just escaped by the skin of their teeth. Uh, Villa only had one shot on target, but it doesn't tell the whole story. I thought they stayed in this game. I thought they defended pretty well once they figured out um, you know, that they needed to send that line a little bit further back and, and stop getting cut open because their line was so high at the be- beginning of the game. I thought they played well. This is an unfortunate one. Uh, I think it's the first time since... I think it's the first time since Emery came in that they haven't scored uh, in a league game. So really unlucky. United were lucky to get away with one. A clean sheet with Lindelof and Shaw in there who are your backup guys alongside Malasia. I think is is great. Uh, Casemiro was better in this game. I know last week I mentioned he he hasn't been as good as he was when he first came in, but he he was pretty good and Rashford had a great game as well. So a nice tidy one nil um, on the score sheet, even though it really wasn't all that tidy. Midweek or uh, sorry Sunday, Fulham one, Manchester City two. City escaped by the skin of their teeth. Not really. They they were pretty dominant. Uh, a goal in the third minute, an Erling Holland penalty brought him close to the record, and then he broke it yesterday. Um, Carlos Vinicius had a goal in the 15th minute to draw it level at 1-1, and then Julian Alvarez with an absolutely sensational strike in the 36th minute brought it down, faked, and then decided, ah, fuck it, I'll just shoot. Lovely goal, great finish. 12 shots on target for City on the day. They played really well. Um, I think it was kind of miraculous that Fulham only conceded one goal or two goals, to be honest with you, especially considering Tim Ream was banged up and he's going to be out for the remainder of the season. Uh, It looks like a stud went right into his arm. So he's going to be out for the rest of the year, which is a bit unfortunate. But, you know, hats off to Tim Ream. What a sensational season it's been for him and Anthony Robinson as well. Uh, In terms of the way Fulham played, I thought... This was a step up. I mean, it's tough really to get a goal on City in the first place. Arsenal only scored one and it was holding. So for your backup guy, Carlos Vinicius, uh, starting up top in place of Mitrovic to get a goal here against a world-class defense, I think it's a good thing. And I don't think Fulham really can put their heads down uh, about this one. This was a good performance. It's it's really, really, really tough to beat City as we've seen uh, from the Arsenal game, from the way that they played West Ham yesterday. They just do not relent. And 
Although City weren't the best on the day, this this wasn't their peak performance whatsoever. They're still able to grind these results out. I, I don't think that's something that should be lost. City are able to, even when they don't have their best stuff, even when they don't have KDB in the lineup, they are able to slot players in. They are able to grind the result out. It's not going to be beautiful all the time. Football just isn't that way. It can't always be death by a thousand cuts. Every pass is precise. Every finish is perfectly placed. And that's kind of how this game was. I mean, Alvarez's goal was amazing, and they took a penalty from from Holland. That's all you need. You take the three points, you move on. And at the end of the week, here we are. They're sitting in first place with a game in hand on Arsenal. So five in their last five for City. Arsenal got a win, and we'll get to that. Um, But, man, it is truly, like, it's such a marvel. Every time I watch City, I'm just just on my couch like what the fuck like who can beat these guys and the more and more i watch the more and more i start to think i don't really think anybody can okay let's move on to the next one bournemouth four leads united one a package of goals from jefferson lerma in the 20th and 24th took bournemouth one or two nil up before patrick bamford got one back in the 32nd 2-1 2-1 heading into the half. And then Dominic Solanke scored in the 63rd. Antoine Semenyo with a goal in the 91st. Leeds did not have a shortage of chances in this one. Six shots on target with 60% possession. They had 15 shots total versus Bournemouth's 12 shots and 7 shots on target. Bournemouth were certainly clinical in this one. Lerma getting two goals from that left center mid roll. A really, really good day from him and a really good day from Bournemouth in general. Just clinical. Um, Such a sharp scoring performance from a team who sometimes struggle to score. Uh, Lerma, Billing, Solanke, these are the guys they've been relying on for a majority of the season. And Lerma, after starting kind of hot, sort of fell off a little bit. So it was good to see Lerma get in there. Um, In terms of leads, I mean, it's the same issues that we always talk about. Their defensive record is so poor. Losing Tyler Adams at that point in the season was just absolutely catastrophic uh, for their hopes to stay up. And now they're sitting on 30 points. They've got four losses in their last five versus Bournemouth, who's, who have four wins in their last five. So definitely, uh, you know, this point in the season is where things start to separate and the cream starts to rise to the to the top. Uh, and Bournemouth look like they're going to be staying up. I mean, they're level on points with Chelsea right now. Uh, only a point behind Crystal Palace for 11th. So you never know. Uh, I don't think Bournemouth are going to be making an appearance in Europe or anything like that, but they certainly waited uh, until the end of the season to turn the Jets on, and they're in great. They're in a great spot right now. Uh, we'll move on to Newcastle 3, Southampton 1. This one, huge for all of the other relegation teams. Everton, Nottingham Forest, Leeds, a uh, really important game. And things went the way that those teams would have wanted. Callum Wilson uh, was the he he scored a brace in this one, but Southampton actually went up first. Stuart Armstrong scored in the 41st minute. Wilson with one in the 54th, and then Walcott scored an own goal. And then with that boost of confidence, having a 2-1 lead, Callum Wilson added another in the 81st. 22 shots total for Newcastle, five shots on target. On the other side of the pitch, we had four shots for Southampton and three shots uh, on target. 65% of the possession going Newcastle's way. 
a bit unlucky to leak that first goal, but they were able to uh, to stand in the face of adversity uh, and get a couple goals here. It's funny, man, because it wasn't Isak in this one. It was Wilson who came on uh, late, and or not late, but later. Isak was withdrawn. Murphy was withdrawn. Um, Anthony Gordon was withdrawn. They threw on Anderson, Almiron, even Matt Ritchie, and Wilson, and those were the guys that made the difference in this one. So a fantastic performance for Newcastle. Been a bit unlucky to see Alcaraz sort of dry up after that goal against Arsenal, but he may be a player, especially considering how young he is. It just struggles a bit with confidence right now. And where you're at in the table as Southampton, it cannot be easy. Sitting on 24 points with four losses in your last five, um, just dead last of the table, knowing that you are going to go down. I don't think it's a, um, I don't think it's really even a question that Southampton are going down. Has to be tough to go out there, lace up the boots, and and absolutely pump. So, tough scene for Southampton. But I think it's time that they go down and maybe rethink the way things are structured at that football club. Okay, up next, Liverpool 4, Tottenham 3. An absolute belter of a game. So Liverpool take all three points. Man, this was a roller coaster. Uh, Super hot start for Liverpool. In 15 minutes, they had three goals. But then Tottenham stormed back. It kind of reminds me of that City game earlier on this season. Kane scored in the 40th. Uh, Sonny scored in the 72nd. Then we had Richarlison score in the 93rd. It was 3-3. Uh, after, by the way, early goals from Curtis Jones, Luis Diaz, and Mohamed Salah on a penalty. Popala, he's back. Uh, Jota scored in the 94th minute. I mean, Jota on the wing, I'm sure it was being sang uh, at maximum volumes, volumes at Anfield in this one. They take three points. Spurs mounted the most, just such a magical comeback. Richie getting his first goal uh, in a Tottenham shirt in the league all season long. <laughs> Um, and then they get crushed, man. It's, they get crushed a minute later. It's the most Spursy thing you can possibly imagine. They had seven shots on target. Um, they did a lot more with the little bit of possession they did have in the second half. Uh, they, they truly outperformed Liverpool in the second half and Jota was just able to, to nick a goal at the death and, and take all three points. It's just it's so tough to watch, man. I cannot imagine what it was like as a Tottenham fan to watch your team grind all the way back against Liverpool, who are playing great again now. They've got five in the, five wins in their last five on 59 points. And then just blow it. Just relinquish it. Um, Tottenham, man, they they need a lot of work there. There's a lot of work that needs to be done in the offseason, and I don't know if Kane's going to be a part of the future. I, I don't know. We've talked about this. We talked about it on the special with Kyle, but that is crippling, man. That is a crippling loss at this point in the season, and they're still in sixth. I mean, they're still probably going to be in Europa League football, but this was not a game that you wanted to you know, not take a single point from, and after looking like they weren't going to and then looking like they were, it's just tough to have that little bit of sweetness that maybe was in your mouth turn to uh, ashes, really. Okay. Leicester City, two. Everton, two. What a game this was. Another uh, four-goal game. A lot of goals being scored, but it was all early. 
Calvert-Lewin got fouled in the 15th minute, converted the penalty. Good to see him back. He opens Everton up so much. Um, it's it's great when he's on the pitch. Taglar Soyanku with a goal in the 22nd. Vardy with one in the 33rd. Lester looked toothy on the attack, and they were able to get two goals within 11 minutes there. And then a Wobi in the 54th minute. Nephew of JJ Okocha, who I think actually had a very good game in this one. Um, with a leveler, 2-2. No more goals after the 54th. It was a, a grind out. I think Everton needed, like, really, really needed the point. Leicester, they'll take the point as well. But Everton only now have two points in their last possible 15. Leicester have five. So I think Everton will be more happy with it. Um, they're only a point out of safety now. Leicester and Leeds both on 30. So, man, this was this was sweaty. Um, I know a lot of, of Everton fans would have, would have bitten your arm off for a point, especially in this huge six point swing game. Uh, I know it wasn't three. I know they probably could have, uh, won this game, but Lester could have also easily won this game. If a couple of the chances early on, uh, fell for them, they just, they played the ball a bit long for Vardy a couple of times. Uh, Madison just leaving the ball a bit long for him. He doesn't quite have, uh, that pace that he used to have even five years ago. So unlucky there uh, for Leicester. I think Everton will be pretty pleased with that one. For my team, Arsenal 3, Chelsea 1. We were home at the Emirates for this one. And behind a pretty passionate crowd, we uh, we offered a pretty passionate performance. Two assists from Granite Xhaka in this one, one in the 18th, one in the 31st. An absolutely sublime finish from Martin Odegaard in the 18th minute. Saw Arsenal go ahead. We added another in the 31st and the 34th. Gabriel Jesus back on the score sheet. And then in the 65th minute, Noni Madueke, who I know is a fan favorite of one of my Chelsea, uh, Chelsea supporting friends. Not Matt, but another one. Scored in the 65th. Chelsea just were not up to the task, I think, in the midfield and defensively. They were extremely poor. Uh, they let us score, you know, three goals within like 15 minutes. So I was happy with that for sure. Uh, but Chelsea definitely, I don't think they would have been happy with that defensive performance. Things just look ugly in the midfield, even with Conte in there. Conte is still the same player he was. Um, a bit off the pace in, in terms of speed, probably, but his positioning is never going to go. Uh, he is just so good when there's even a remote threat. He dispossessed Jorginho a couple times. Same thing with Odegaard and Xhaka. Uh, Conte is still for sure that guy. Kovacic and even Enzo in this one, he came off. He was withdrawn, injured, but just not a great performance from them. And then I don't know what they expect from Sterling and really from Aubameyang because Aubameyang is just such a dead baller. I mean, his career is absolutely finished. So, uh, I don't know. A lot of cardio going on uh, at Chelsea. A lot of running. A lot of just kind of aimless passes. Messy touches. This was a bad one. The ball was loose a lot. Arsenal dispossessed Chelsea in the midfield a lot. And really with how Chelsea played, I think they were kind of lucky uh, that Arsenal didn't score more in the second half. But I, as an Arsenal fan, was happy with how we played. And I will happily take three points against a rival who I previously heavily feared. Up next, Liverpool won Fulham at nil. This one was boring as fuck. Um, Liverpool were way more calculated. This was definitely slow, uh, but they were able to get a result. Popala, uh, Mo Salah scoring in the 39th minute. 
Fulham not scoring whatsoever. They did have three shots on target, the same as Liverpool, um, but Liverpool held a majority of the possession and were obviously the better team uh, in this one. The news came out today uh, that it looks like the Reds will be acquiring uh, McAllister, Alexis McAllister from Brighton. Uh, and the fee is not all that much. I think I saw about 60 mil. Uh, so a really good signing for them if they're able to get him in and certainly another attacking player that they're going to be able to put in there uh, and use as another dynamic piece going forward. We did see Diaz uh, starting this one. Nunez was right in the center and then Salah out on the wing. This is pretty much, I think, the best. I like Gakpo better than Nunez, but he uh, he got, you know, came off the bench. They have so many options. I mean, they could rotate and pretty much anybody can have a day up there, especially Salah. So a good performance, but certainly a, a very boring game. Uh, Man City 3, West Ham nil. I watched this one with uh, a lot of intent, a lot of hope. But after a really good first half in which West Ham played excellent team football, they succumbed uh, and lost Ake with a goal in the 49th, Holland in the 70th, which broke the record for single-season goals in a Premier League season. He takes the cap from Alan Shearer. Uh, congratulations to Holland. I don't even think this is as many goals as he truly could have scored, to be honest with you. Um, and we still have, like, four games left, so pretty fucking crazy, honestly. Uh, Foden added another in the 85th, but after the first one with Ake, I don't think West Ham really had much of a chance uh, of coming back in this one. They didn't have a ton of chances in general and city again, were just, they, they weren't, they weren't like unstoppable. They weren't amazing. They just put their chances away in the second half. The, the header by Ake was absolutely fantastic. What a ball in um, there. I think it was Mares that played the ball in just a sensational uh, ability to shrug Ogbana, then get behind him uh, and, and finish away deftly with his head. Holland's goal was fine, and then Foden. I I don't know how Foden is as good as he is, especially because he doesn't get a ton of time in the team. He was a sub. Uh, he was still fantastic. So, uh, great performance from City. I don't really think that that kind of shocks anybody. Uh, and then the last game that we really have to recap, but we can't, is Brighton nil, Manchester United nil. At the minute, possessions going in the favor of Brighton. United have three shots on target versus Brighton's two, and United have 10 total shots, so interesting. Uh, we'll have to see how that one pans out. You guys will get a recap from Matt there, probably. I'll jump into my picks. Uh, we just have you know the regular Saturday, Sunday, Monday games this week. Chelsea versus Bournemouth, uh, that one going off at 10 a.m. on Saturday. I'll take Bournemouth. I just think at the minute Chelsea have absolutely zero passion whatsoever. So I'm going to take Bournemouth. They're, they're in great form right now. City versus Leeds. That one's expl uh, pretty self-explanatory. I'll take City there. Wolves versus Aston Villa. Wolves coming off the absolute slaughter against Brighton 6-0. And Villa coming off a 1-0 that they probably should have taken a point from. I'll take Villa in that one. We have Tottenham and Crystal Palace. Uh, on Saturday as well. This one's a little bit tougher to pick, to be honest with you, but I think I'm going to take Tottenham. I think they can beat Palace. They just need to shore up that defense and, and maybe you know actually defend as a team. Palace could also beat them 4-0. Like, you, you truly have no idea uh, when you're picking a Tottenham game. 
but I will take Tottenham. Uh, then we have Liverpool versus Brentford. This one's tough. I can see it being a draw, maybe a 1-1, maybe a 2-2. I just think Tony's in great form right now. Uh, and Liverpool, you never know who's going to have a great game for them. But I, I do think defensively both of these teams are able to perform as a unit. I think it's going to be a lot of midfield battles. And I'd actually probably edge Brentford physically in the midfield. So I will take a draw. Um, that one you know, that one could really go either way or be a draw. But uh, I'm going to stick with the, uh, with the tie there. Newcastle and Arsenal on Sunday at 11.30. Ooh, this is not going to be an easy game for Arsenal whatsoever. Newcastle uh, didn't have their best showing, honestly, against Southampton, but they were still able to win 3-1. Uh, we fucking tied Southampton, so you never know. Uh, I will take Arsenal. I think they're going to win out, honestly, after that performance against Chelsea. It looks like they've got a bit of bite uh, still left in them, so I'll take Arsenal against Newcastle. But I don't think this one's going to be a cakewalk by any stretch. Manchester United versus West Ham. Up next, that one on Sunday as well at 2 p.m. I'll take United in that one. West Ham not doing a ton to impress me right now after a decent run of form, but I will take United. I think, especially if they pull this one out against Brighton, that they can definitely beat West Ham. Uh, Fulham versus Leicester City. I think I'm going to take a draw on that one as well. Fulham just not super threatening in a goal-scoring sense right now, and Leicester City did look decent offensively. So if uh, if Vardy shows up, I think they've got a good chance of tying or of drawing. Brighton versus Everton. I'll take Brighton. And then our last game of the week, Monday, May 8th at 3 p.m., we have Nottingham Forest versus Southampton, a relegation six-pointer for the ages. I'm going to take Nottingham Forest, even though every, <coughs> excuse me, fiber uh, in my being is telling me to take Southampton. And, you know, I think somehow maybe Southampton are going to make a run and try and stay up, but I don't see it happening. So I'm just going to go with Nottingham Forest. Uh, that's probably where logic would point me. Even though my heart's saying Southampton, I am going to stick with the tricky trees. Okay. That is 30 minutes on the nose, so a short one, but um, I think we covered pretty much everything we could. Um, make sure you guys check out Matt's portion of the show, maybe a little bit more color. Uh, Matt is typically a little bit more long-winded than I am. Um, I'm sort of short, uh, but you know this is my portion of the show. So I appreciate you guys uh, for listening. Thank you for, um, you know, thanks for, for checking it out. And make sure you check us out on social media at Post20Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find all past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. All right? Good luck to your teams uh, this weekend. And make sure you check Matt out. All right? See you guys. <laughs>